turn with me in your Bibles to Nehemiah 17 and 18. Nehemiah 2, 17 through 18. Then, then said I unto them, You see the destruction that we are in, how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we be no more in reproach. Then I told them of my hand, or of the hand of of my God, which has or which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Then turning over to Nehemiah four and six. Nehemiah 4 and 6, So built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together into the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. For the people had a mind to work. Let's ask God to move in this place tonight. Let's ask God to let his anointing fall in this place. Seated. We read the story beginning in the begin or in verse one of Nehemiah, how the word came to Nehemiah, how the city of Jerusalem, the city of his fathers, was in utter destruct dis uh, disarray. It was completely destroyed. He went before the Lord with the and cried out to God. Then he went before the king because he was the cupbearer for the king, the man that that was trusted of the king to take a sip of his wine, his drink that he was about to drink, that in case there was a type of poison or something that was in that, that, that the king would not die. He was a trusted man in the kingdom, trusted with the, the life of the king, perhaps you could say. <clears throat> but he came before the king one day, and it says his countenance was sad. His countenance, his appearance was downtrodden, was sad, was, was in a, a manner that was not normal. Because when someone's coming before the king, the last thing that the king wants to see every day is somebody that's always down and out. 
someone that is in distress and uh, constant distress. So Nehemiah must have been most likely a happy person. Someone that, that saw the good in life. But that day when he came before the king, he he was of a sad countenance. He, he looked, the king looked at him and could tell something was not right. Something that that he saw in him was was not the same as it normally was. And the king asked him, why are, why are you sad? Why is your countenance this way? And it says, when the city, the place of my father's, layeth waste, the gates thereof are consumed with fire. Then the king said unto me, for what dost thou make request? So I prayed to the God of heaven, and I said unto the king, if it please the king, and if thy servant hath found favor in thy sight, that thou wouldest send me unto Judea, unto the city of my father's sepulchres, that I may build it. And the king said unto me, the queen also sitting by him, for how long shall thy journey be? And when wilt thou return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sit, sit him, set him a time. Moreover, I send unto the king, if I or said unto the king, if it please the king, let a letter be given me to the governors beyond the river. But what he's saying here is that I want to go and I want to try to rebuild the city. There's already been people sitting back to to to, Ju, uh, to Judea. We read of how Jerubbabel has, um, went with a, about 120,000, I believe, Jews to go back into the land. But they are not focused on rebuilding the city of David, rebuilding that place that, that was the place where the temple was at, where, where the presence of God had fallen when they dedicated the temple, that place where the, where the, the Ark of the Covenant was brought, where the presence of God was at. It had not been rebuilt. But he was, he was sad because that place was in utter destruction. But we go on to read. In verse 17. You see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem layeth waste and the gates thereof burned with fire. And it says come and let us build up the wall, wall of Jerusalem. That we be not more a reproach. Then I told them of the hand of God. But we read this and he's saying that, that let us go and build. Let us go and take away those things that the rubble that is there. Let us go and rebuild the wall. Rebuild the city that it is no longer a reproach to the name of Judah or to the name of the Israelites. To the name of the Jews that we, we do not want to be reproached unto other nations. Neither of them to think it is a reproach unto our God. But we read how the hand of God was in the situation. That the hand of God was placed on what Nehemiah was doing. Because first, when he heard the destruction of the city, he went to God in prayer. He asked God, he went to God with supplications about the situation in which he found himself. 
itself, or I should say the situation that Jerusalem found itself in. They just saw the destruction. And they went about rebuilding. They went about repairing or fixing or building anew those things that were destroyed. Let us raise, rise and build back the wall. Let us work in the kingdom. Let us work for the kingdom. Let us work for God to restore the glory of his place. That glory that he came down and he dwelled in, in the temple. We see that it's a land that's burnt over. That Nehemiah, when he went to view the city, he could not, he could not find a place for his, his mule to pass through. Or for his donkey to pass through. It was so overgrown. It was in utter destruction. But they said... Let us rebuild. Let us go and, and take this thing that is destroyed and rebuild it. We are the same way when we look at the world around us. When we look at the destruction of our city. And look at the destruction of what the, the chains of bondage, what sin has come in and done to people's life. We see that, that they are in complete and total destruction. The lives are in disarray and dismay and disorder. We see that condition that they are in, but we have to get a mind to try to reach out to them, to try to help them rebuild their lives. It's nothing that we can do other than help to try to bring them into the house of God. It'll be through the power of God that their life can be rebuilt. But it takes somebody that has a willingness to say, hey, here I am. I want to go and help to rebuild that which is destroyed. When you start to get a hold of the vision of what God wants for you to do. When you start to get a hold of that mentality that says, I want to rebuild. I want to do a work for God. That's when God can use you. But when you start to get get God and more of God in your life, when you when you begin to humble yourself in prayer, in fasting, in seeking the face of God, that's when God will start to work inside of you. That is when God is going to do something. That's when God's going to have you give you new desires to do things, new desires to do His will. Philippians two and thirteen. For if for it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do his good pleasure. Or what it's saying is that it's 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 God's he wants he's God's gonna work in you that you can do his pleasure, that you can work and do his will. Why? For his pleasure. We do it not for our own glory, not for our own exaltation, but for the, the praise and glory of God. That we may please God. We do it for the pleasure of God. God is going to work in us to do his will. There is a way that he wants us to go about doing his will. The next, now verse 15 of that same chapter. Do all things with a, without murmuring and disputing. Why do we do these things? 
things without murmuring because we see that this is pleasing to God. We see that this is something that God wants us to do. So we take it and we go about doing it in a way that's pleasing to God. And what's that way? Without murmuring, without dispute, because it is pleasing to God. Verse 15, that ye may be or, I mean, sorry, verse, that last one was verse 14, verse 15. That you may be blameless and harmless, the Son of God, without rebuke, in the midst of the crooked and perverse nations, among whom ye shine as lights in the world. We do these things to be a light to God. We do these things. We live a life that's separated, that's holy and acceptable to God. That we might be a proclamation of the power of God. A proclamation of what God can do. A proclamation of where God has brought us from. A proclamation of what God has done for us. That he can do the same thing for that person. That is in that their life is it destructed or destroyed God sees the destruction that's around us God will give us the ability to help to work and rebuild God will give us the ability and the grace and the mind to work on trying to restore the land There's going to be mocking at times. There's going to be people that say, why do you do this? Why? Don't you see? It's a futile effort. There's nothing that that person can offer God. There's nothing that they can give God. So why do you keep working on that person? Why do you keep, keep fasting for that same person? Or keep inviting that same person? Or keep witnessing to that same person? There's going to be mockings. There's going to be people that say, why are you doing this? There was those that mocked Nehemiah and the Jews that were trying to rebuild the wall. There were those that, that wanted to know, why do you do such a foolish thing? That Why do you do this? It's, it's, it's pointless. Nehemiah 4 and 2. But it came to pass that when Sambalit heard that we build the wall he was wroth and took great indignation and mocked the jews he went before the other people that were around him and said what are they doing why do they do this thing why do they try to rebuild this wall their efforts are in vain they're trying to do something that's pointless or just look at what they've already done. It's so shabby. It's so in great distance. That, that is so shabby that if a fox runs through there, the wall that they've built is just going to fall over. If something, a small animal, was to breathe wrong, it's going to fall over. Or do you, it, this happens. It's pointless that they do this. But people's going to say the same thing to you. You're going to hear these things in your life. You're going to hear mockings. You're going to hear people. 
people say, why are you doing this? Why do you live a separated and holy life? Why do you do these things that are pleasing to God? Because they're trying to pull you down. They're trying to keep you from completing the work that God has set for you to do. They're going to try to keep you back from doing the things of God. John 16 and 33. These things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulations. In the world you're going to have tribulations. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You may have people, or a young person tonight, you may have people coming to you on a daily basis, a family member, a friend, or someone that is close to you in your life that says, hey, come with us, or you're walking down the, the hallway of school, and people mock you, they ridicule you for wearing long skirts, or they ridicule you for living a holy life, for not going to the parties, for not doing this, or not doing that. But the scripture says that there's tribulation in the world. There's tribulation in this world that we live in. There's people that's going to bring about tribulation in your life. But if you just cling a little closer to God, if you just get a little closer to him, he said that there's peace that in me you might have peace but be of good cheer don't worry don't be discouraged don't be dismayed because God's by your side there's peace in the almighty God there's peace through the storms and the trials of life but you just gotta cling a little closer to him but while you're doing it be of good cheer because God wrote himself in flesh To those that are willing to profess their faith. 
those that are saying, hey, this is why I do this. Hey, this is why I live a holy, a separated life unto God. If you do these things, he will be faithful to you. Even when you are being mocked, just keep holding on to your faith that God will be faithful to you. When the children, when the Jews were being mocked for trying to rebuild the wall, when they were being ridiculed, what did they do? In Nehemiah 4 and 9, we find out what they did. Never, never, nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch against them. The devil's going to come against you. The devil's going to try to drag you down. The devil's going to try to set, set things that you might trip over, that you might fall. But you got to get back up and say, I'm going to reach out in prayer to my God because he's faithfully with me no matter the circumstances. But I'm going to pray unto my God. It says that they set a watch against them. Devil, I see what you're trying to do. I see you're trying to come in and steal my revival. Devil, I see that you're trying to pull me down. That you're trying to discourage me. Devil, I see what you're trying to do. I'm going to keep my eye on you. But while I'm doing that, I'm going taking it all to my Nehemiah told the people in verse 14, be not afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. But he said, be not afraid. Why? Because we've taken it before the Lord. We've taken it to God in prayer. But be of good cheer. Be not afraid. Because God is on your side. That God is going to fight the battle for you. We see this land that is desolate. We see this city that needs more lost souls saved. A city of a hundred, I believe it's 70,000 people. And there's one church here that's standing strong on the foundation that has, have, that has been built. But God's looking for workmen. God's looking for those that are saying, hey, I see the condition that my city is in. I'm taking it to my Lord. I'm taking it to my Savior. I'm taking it to my God. I see the condition that the city is in. It's a desolate land. It's a place that's a burn over field. It's a place that seems like sometimes there's no harvest, but the harvest is here. There's people that are hungry. Just this Saturday, Brother Weems and Jerome knocked on a door, and the person opened the door, and they said, we'd like to invite you to church. It's told me that they busted out in tears, that they just began to cry, and they said, I'm going through 
something right now and you don't know what this means that you knocked on my door. There's people out there like that that are going through things that they're on rock bottom but they're just looking for a workman that's willing to come by and say this is the way to salvation. This is how you can be saved. This is how you can find deliverance from where you're at in your life. But you can tell that person, be of good cheer. Because I know a God that will save you from where you're at. That will turn your life around. That will wash away that sin that's in your life. Be of good cheer. Because I know a Savior that can do this for you. But be not afraid of what the enemy is going to try and do because you have already talked to that God that is great and terrible and is faithful to those that he loves. I know the God that is on my side, so I will not fear. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff comfort me. God is with you no matter where you're at. You may be in a situation in your life that you say, I can't feel God. I'm walking through a blind alley. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. There's a cliff on this side. There's a cliff on this side. I can't see the path that is in front of me. The valley of the shadow of death is a literal valley. I believe they're called keyhole valleys. That they're so narrow that the sun will never will, will not actually shine directly into that valley. You may be in that place in your life that you look up and I can't see the top. I can't see the sky. I can't see the sun. But God's right there by your side because he's faithful to those that keep his commandments. He will be faithful to those that keep his commandments. Ephesians 10 through 12. Finally, my brother, be brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in prayer and in the power of his might, put on the whole armor of God. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world. Against spiritual wickedness in high places. But Nehemiah told them, be not afraid, be not feared, because we've prayed to God. We've seeked the face of God for deliverance, for his help in us rebuilding the city. Because I know the God that's on my side, that is all-powerful, that is almighty, Nehemiah 4 and 16, and it came to pass from that time forth that the half 
of my servants brought in work, and the other half of them held both the spears, the shields, and the bows. And the rulers were behind all the houses of Judah. And they which build on the wall, and they that bear burdens, which those that laid in every one which one of his hand wrought in work, and in the other hand, hand held a weapon. As we're standing there, as we're fighting, as we're, as we're building, as we're working on the kingdom of God, as we're trying to rebuild the city, as we're trying to bring the souls into the church, we've got to reach out and say, I'm going to put on the full armor of God. I'm going to have in one hand, I'm going to be working. And in the other hand, I'm going to have the sword. I'm going to have the shield of faith. The breastplate of righteousness. I'm going to have these things on. Because, yeah, I'm working on rebuilding. But at the same time, I'm ready. I'm watching the enemy as he's going about. As he's trying to sneak in and destroy the work that we're doing. Because I'm going to gird myself in the armor of the Lord. I'm going to put on the full armor of God because I'm not fighting against the things of this world, but I'm fighting against powers of spirits and principalities. But we read that of how he told them that to not be afraid because God was on their side when the enemy heard what they had what they were trying to come in they said let us sneak among them and try to destroy the work that they're doing we can get in the midst of them and, and kill them before they even know what is going on but God was on their side and when the enemy heard what Nehemiah had said that that God was on their side when the enemy heard that they said our our planning our desire to get in the midst has come to naught we can't do this because they have God on their side you've got God on your side tonight that God was willing to fight for you but what you've got to do is guard yourself in the full armor of the Lord Put on those things that is pleasing their God. Live a life that's righteous. Have faith, trusting in God that he will do. Having the word of God in your hand. Having a sword in this hand and say, hey, I see this city that's desolate. I see this city that's ruined. I'm going to work on it with this hand. But if I have a sword in this other hand, if I have the breastplate of righteousness, I have the armor of God it's just going to take a little work for me because God's going to fight the battles against the devil God's going to work and he's going to bring the victory but Nehemiah told the people let's stand tonight 
are four and twenty. In what place? Therefore ye hear the sound of trumpet. Resort ye thither unto us. Our God shall fight for us. But he said because we're so spread out. Because we're here. We're there. We're across different places. That each one of you have a trumpet. And when the trumpet sounds. You go to that person. And you fight with them. Because God is with you. God will fight with you. But get together. Get there and be ready. When you see your brother. When you see your sister. That's going through the struggle. Don't stand back. Don't stand afar off. But get close to him and say, hey brother. Hey sister. I see you're going through the test and trial. I see what you're going through. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to fight this battle with you. I'm going to see God's face with you. I'm going to take it to the Lord in prayer. Because they took those things to God. They took the, what the enemy had said to God in prayer. And he said, our God will fight for us. So if you can get around your brother that's in need. Or your sister that's in distress. And say, hey, I'm with you. Don't worry. God's with you as you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'll walk there with you. I'll be by your side. And together we can get a little closer to God. When one will send a thousand to fight. Two, ten thousand. There's power in numbers. There's power in a unified force against the devil. So if you say, I'm here to fight against the devil. I'm here. That's why pastors got us fasting and praying this week while he's in Africa. It's because a unified force against the devil is greater than just one person here or another person over here or someone else over there. If we can all get together and say, I'm going to fight this battle. I'm going to seek God with this person that's in need. I'm going to seek God or we're going to get together and we're going to seek God for that lost soul that we might not know their name. We now might not know who they are. But we know they're out there that we're going to get together. We're going to fast. We're going to pray because what are we doing? We see this land. God has chosen us to work. But it said after all this, after the enemy who's going to try, after they said that you cannot do it, they took it to the Lord and prayer. Then the very next verse says, the very next verse says that the people had a mind to work. So built we the wall and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof. For the people had a mind to work. It was a mindset that they got. It was a mindset that said, hey, we're doing this together. We're in this together. That the devil's come against us. The devil has taken me through the tests and trials. The devil has put me through hell on earth. I've walked through the valley of the shadow of death. But no matter, I've taken it to my God. No matter, I've laid it at the altar. So I've got the mindset. I've got this thing that says inside of me that God has put it in my heart 
to say, I've got a mind to work for God. We can gather around the front this evening and worship him. If there's somebody that can say, hey, God, I'm here. I'm available for your service. I want to try and rebuild my city. I want to try and reach lost souls. I want to try and compel them to come in. But if I can get together with somebody else that's going through the same struggle, the same test and trial, together we're going to be stronger. Together we can do that much more for the Lord. Because we both got a unified idea, philosophy that, God, here I am. I've got a mind to work for you. I've got a mind to do your service. Is there somebody here tonight that could say, God, here I am. Use me for your will. Use me for your service. God, if you call out to him, he will come in and give you a heart and a mind for the service of him. He'll give you a greater desire for the things of him. But you have to have a willingness to say, I'm going to lay it at the cross. I'm going to lay it at the foot of the altar. I'm going to take it to God in prayer.